everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Welcome back for the next session with Pastor Joe Schimmel. We will be hearing from him on how to strengthen our spiritual spine as we move through these dark days and how to look to the future with confidence in the Lord and just some more overall encouragement. Let me move on to what we what we see happening in our world and we know what our response needs to be. And I, we're kind of covering this, but we need to love our enemies. Luke 635, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high. And I love this That's for he is message. kind to the unthankful and the evil. Yeah. And I think about that often because I have yeah. to say, Jesus was kind to the unthankful and the evil. That's I right. am called to follow Amen. my savior in the same way. Amen. Matthew three, Matthew five thirty nine. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now this is in response to personal retaliation as opposed to standing for what is right. So this is something that I think about a lot because I kind of want to gird up my mind to how I'm going to handle it. But uh, I'm not to retaliate against a personal insult, for instance, but I say if I'm provoked about something. I'm not to respond in kind, but to give a gentle answer, which Proverbs says turns away wrath. But uh, when it comes to others or upholding the law, law and order, evil is to be restrained and resisted. So while a Christian should be prepared to handle what happens to him personally, we must, I'm going to use the word protest, but I think you know what I mean by that. When injustices are done, Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. So maybe you might have some biblical references you think applicable and, you know, standing for righteousness sake, you might have an example of that as opposed to being personally attacked. So kind of how you handle that. Yeah, uh, definitely. We're supposed to stand up for righteousness and speak righteousness to the state, to the government, uh, have like a prophetic voice in the world. Uh, You know, John the Baptist was about the gospel, right? And pointing to Jesus as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But he still pointed out Herod's sin, you know? And Great example. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. And that word convict right there is used in Ephesians 5.11, the same word that is used the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. How does he do it? Well, one of the main ways he does that is through the believers. And that's why we can't do, you know, easy believism, uh, you know, uh, you know, seeker-sensitive church where you just don't speak about sin not only is that harmful to the believer but when you 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 compromise with the world you also uh you know you're not being salt and light the way we ought to be salt and light and salt can sting when it gets in your wounds and light can 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 hurt when you don't want it you know and you're you're used to darkness and as believers we're called to that verse by the way that word convict is using ephesians 5 11 where it says have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them It's it's translated expose so we're called to uh, expose the works of darkness. And uh, that's why after I got saved, I realized, wow, all my friends, my family, everybody's like engulfed in all this darkness that Satan's spewing out through these different sons of disobedience that the spirit of the world uses. And I need to expose it. And these are the modern day idols. And the prophets were iconoclastic. They would come, they'd tear down the idols. So I need to expose it. And, and I, I, Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the fruit for works, dark, rather expose them, became a, a very important verse to me. Then I read in Revelation chapter, or sorry, Daniel chapter 11, in the end times, on the run-up to the coming of the Antichrist, it talks about how God would rise up people to do mighty exploits. 
and exposés, you know, and uh, we see, look at the book of Revelation, you know, that's a huge expose of the enemy's work and what the Antichrist will do with the false prophet and the whore of Babylon and, and, and how they'll persecute uh, the saints and so forth. And he gives us these warnings in scripture. So uh, the mighty exploits that are to be done, I believe. I mean, we've done things like, uh, we have a video called, you know, the secrets of dark, or the dark secrets of Planned Parenthood. Uh, we have videos like they sold their souls for rock and roll that you mentioned and uh, Hollywood's war on God. And we expose a lot of things. So, uh, I found that one of the best ways to bring people to Christ was to expose the darkness that they're in because they often don't see the chains there. And you show them the chains, it's like, wow, I had no idea there were chains around me that were keeping me from the light of God. Exactly the way you went through that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. how I've seen so many people come to Christ. And we were showing these slideshows on what Satan was doing through the most popular bands and music uh, where long before the internet was out. So we had all these slides. And you could look in the audience with our old video, Rock and Roll Source of the Age Revolution, and just see the people's eyes are like, they're just wide open. Like, and so many people would just come to Christ and because they'd start to see what was going on and we're reproving the world of sin. And that right after it says, uh, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, he says, awake, O sleeper, and the light of Christ will shine on you. So it has to do, then of course, you don't just say, you can't show what darkness is ex apart from the light of Christ. So it's by bringing God's truth and his word and his prophetic truth, what he says would happen in the future, what he says is right, what he says is wrong, what he, what, what he says about the spiritual world. So you bring the light of Christ in. So you can't just curse the darkness. Sure. You have to turn the light on. Right. And the light's already there. He just wants to shine through us. Right. So you say, hey, this is what the Lord says about this. Right. And then when you start showing them that he's prophesied this would happen and how dark it is, uh, that's a very, very... So I think it's very important that we... Uh, whether it's people caught up in Darwinism, mm -hmm. you know, evil worldviews, mm -hmm. uh, they've reduced their faith to psychology uh, and or philosophy, uh, pointing to Christ crucified and risen and, and preaching the resurrected Christ, and uh, uh, I think that's the huge key is is uh, basically confronting these ideologies and showing us that Satan is a liar. The Bible says the father lies, right? He's a murderer from the beginning. So exposing his lies, and Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. And, and exposing his lies through the truth of Christ is still, I mean, praise God for John 3, 16. I use it all the time. Right, right. You know? <laughs> right. However, we need to go further with the modern mind. And we, I mean, that simply is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. Everyone who believes that Jew first, also the Greek. So oftentimes you just need the gospel. But sometimes throughout the book of Acts, you know what you see over and over again. Just do a word study. People could do a word study in the word persuade. They sought to persuade them from the scriptures. What a great study. I love yeah. that. Oh, it's just oh, throughout to look the book up of Acts. persuade. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, wonderful. And, and, and it's cognates, you know, throughout the book of Acts because God, Lord wants us to reason. He reasons with us. Exactly. And Come, I love the, together. the Acts 17 when Paul, it's one of my favorites when Paul is on Mars Hill. And I do yeah. sort of feel like that's the society that we live in today. Yeah. All of these people worshiping the unknown gods. And so Paul says, you worship, you worship a what? He's not a who to you. Yeah. And I want to ex explain that Jesus Christ is a who. Yeah. And you need to believe him and know him and trust him and and that this is truth and he's creator. See, w that's another thing we talk about a lot is that let's start with, you know, the fact that God is creator. Because right. people, like you said, with the Darwin thing, I mean, that's kind of the lie that they are buying. Right. And that's another thing in witnessing, really, to come around and keep saying this is truth. What I'm giving you is truth. Yeah. The Bible is truth Amen. because there's so, so many lies. People are believing so many lies and everybody, which is a pet peeve of mine to say your truth. What is your truth? Because when you look up the word truth, 
in the dictionary, it says an adherence to the facts. So how everybody could have their own truth doesn't even make sense in Webster's dictionary. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And in that regard is with regard to Paul and and Mars Hill. And, you know, he went to Athens and he actually quoted a couple of the poets and and, uh, where they got the truth right. But then he also exposes the lies. In fact, when he says, I see that you're very religious, says he was grieved when he saw all the idols, right? Right. And the word religious there in the Greek is demon worshipers. It's literally wow. diamond, you know, which wow. they, they viewed as their gods, you right. know, and uh, worshipers. And it, it had come to be being used of religion, you know, but what, what the actual words he's using when he uses, if we were hearing him, he says, you're actually, you know, worshipers of these diamonds these or these demons, these gods. Uh, and Paul says that the demons of the nations or the gods of the nations are demons, you know, uh, elsewhere, First Corinthians 10. But then he says, let me show you, you know, he, then he shows them the. The, 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 the unknown God, because they had these inscriptions to this unknown God everywhere. And he says, let me show you who he is, you know, right. <laughs> which was just brilliant. You know? I love it. And so it's, it's finding ways in our, without compromising the truth, to get in and express the truth to people. Exactly. And Paul, of course, was a master at that. And Jesus is the number one master at that. Amen. But And I love that, you know, in the end, it gives me encouragement because, and this is usually what happens in a, any kind of gospel presentation, some mocked. Some said, we'll hear you again on this yeah. matter. And some joined him and believed. That's so, right. you know, yeah. So we'll and get some, all kinds. <laughs> some scholars criticize what Paul did there and said it didn't really work because he was the way he went about it, you know. And it's like, no, some did believe and others were open to hear. And there'll always be those that mock. Absolutely. Uh, so I believe he was led by the Spirit. I was a mocker in the, in the beginning. So were you, wow. right? You know, yeah. I was a complete mocker. But praise the Lord mm-hmm. for your salvation. I know. Amen. Those so, who are forgiven much love much. much. <laughs> so what scriptures uh, and what attributes of God are most helpful to you when you think about how fierce things are getting in this country? Now, we're not there yet, but it's slowly boiling up. And so how do you personally strengthen your spiritual spine? And how do you help your congregation to be strong and of good courage? Well, you, you remember, you know, that things, like I said earlier, could be worse. And when they get worse, we're to be ready. Uh, that Jeremiah warned the people of his day who were going through some hard times that, you know what? He said, uh, if you can't run with footmen, how are you going to do what doing this? The, A the, favorite scripture the of mine. The horsemen come, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in the thickets of the Jordan. Right. That's mm-hmm. where there's wild animals. That's where you can't really maneuver. Uh, and that's a great scripture because he said you ought to be ready and you ought not be complaining right now. You ought to be getting through this trial, recognizing that there's different trials that will be even tougher later in your life. And that's so apropos for us. In fact, when you Peter, when Jesus said to see, uh, Peter, you'll be sifted like wheat. Satan's desired permission to sift you like wheat. Well, Peter didn't go with thing compared to what Job went through. I right. went through a lot of antagonism, but he loses his family and everything and have everybody hating on him for a long time. Uh, but I say that because when he said sifted, that whole process of being sifted and s- separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, the Lord sifts us too, right? He sifts the chaff from us. Well, Satan's desire is to sift our faith from us. As he shakes that sifter, he wants us to fall through into his, into his hands and ultimately into hell, and he wants to separate us from our faith. Jesus said, I pray that your faith will not fail because where faith, when we're in the faith, we can't fall through that sifter. Well, God's also, so we have to realize God is also in that same sifting process, what Satan means for evil, God means for good, to strengthen you in your faith, which Peter ends up being restored and stronger than ever. So we remember his goodness, and we remember uh, that he calls us, we're, First Peter 1, 5, I love it, we're kept by the power of God through faith. I love so that, just, and nothing is more powerful than that. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. And, and of course, he says, through faith, so we, we 
of course, he calls us to look to him in faith and trust him. But the beauty of this, and when he speaks of the attributes, the attributes that I love during, uh, that I think of, and especially when I contemplate persecution, uh, and how we haven't, and I, and I like it, those groups, I go, what we've gone through, what I've gone through is so minimal compared to what they've gone through. So I think I have to know for the future, uh, hide certain scriptures away. Corey Ten Boom. So I've, I've learned from the scripture. I've also learned from, Corey was uh, in a visitor home in Holland where the hiding place where they, the book she's a favorite. Yeah. Oh, she's so amazing. Yeah, amazing. And she wrote marching orders for Christ. And, uh, and she talks about how she hides scriptures away because she had gone through this ordeal and her foster sister, Annie, her parents, she was in the concentration camp and all. And she said, when she was young, she used to say, dad, you know, what, what do I, what happens, you know, if, you know, face this tribulation and what am I going to do? And how am I going to get through this, these hard times, and my daddy said to me, Corey, when do I give you money for the train? Long before or when you're about to go and get on the train? She goes, right before I'm going to get on the train. He goes, God will give you the grace to endure it when you face it. What and a wise, That was so wise, wise. thing and, to say. And you see where, you know, God gave her wisdom, but you see her upbringing. And that's so precious. I thought, that's so beautiful because Jesus said, don't premeditate what you're going to speak when they bring me before kings and governors and you know, civil leaders and what have you, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance, you know. He'll be with you. He'll strengthen you. He'll give you wisdom at that time. And Peter, I love it. Peter says the Holy Spirit rest upon us. Uh, the Spirit of grace will rest upon us. So I thought when she said that, I thought, that really fits First Peter too, uh, that His Spirit of grace will rest upon us during times of persecution. So I think of his faithfulness. I think of his omnibenevolence, his love. He has this incredible love for us. He loved Peter. In fact, when he told Peter this and when he looked at Peter and he warned him and can you pray one hour with me, he's he's a radical God because he, he wants to get the innermost parts of our hearts so we become Christ-like. But he's also patient because in John 13, right before the Last Supper, he says, it says he loved them to the uttermost. So he continued to love Peter through his... So his love is is such a beautiful security blanket. And what can separate us from the love of God? Neither height nor depth, principality or power. And he says, shall persecution... And the love of God, he says, which is in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ Jesus, right, and we're and He is our He He is our Lord. You know, we have uh, uh, security in Him. So uh, the love of Christ is so because He's actually speaking of persecution there in the context of God's great love. So that's one. Another one is I mentioned His faithfulness already, but His uh, His His omniscience, His foreknowledge. When you read the book of Revelation, you see, wow, he is absolutely in control. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is in the behind, but he also knows exactly what's going to happen. And my personal view is that God, uh, that as far as theories of time go, is that is that God does experience sequence. You know, there was a time when he had not become a man. Then he became a man, you know. So sequence is part of his nature in that regard. But there's also a way that he's outside of time that we experience, where we experience change and so forth, and what have you. And that, but God enters into this time-space continuum, becomes one of us, dies in our place. And when you see his great love and you see his great faithfulness, it's amazing. But when you see his omniscience and you see his righteousness, this is important, I believe, for us as believers right now. So important that we hold on to God's holiness and his righteousness. And those attributes when we see the evil all around us. Because it's very easy to be discouraged. And and also when we think of God's patience. When these are manifestations. like I should say patience is a manifestation of his love. He's patient not willing that any would perish. But that all would come to repentance. So he's waiting. If if he would have come before we got saved. Then we'd be damned. You know. So we have to 
think these things through and say, wait a minute, why is he allowing this to go on? Because a prophet sometimes would say, you know, why, oh Lord, you yes. know, why have you, you not punished these people and so forth? And when you're on the other side, I'm like, thank you, Lord, you did it, and I got saved. But now that we're on this side, we have to also realize he wants people to come to him. And we also have to realize he is in control when you read the book of Revelation. I mean, it's like he's a master chess player. Satan has no chance. And in the end, Satan is thrown in the lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 19, the end there in Revelation chapter 20. So I think it's very important. And I think we should definitely be an influence salt light on the governing powers to get them to legislate righteousness. And we read Revelation, the world doesn't repent. Revelation 9, Revelation 16, they refuse to repent under the trumpet judgments and they refuse to repent under the bowl judgments. And the world gets darker and there's apostasy, not just a massive revival. And if you're part of a massive revival in the end days, then you're, you're in on the, the wrong, wrong side. <laughs> that's right. You know, I know. Because that's the broad release destruction. So I guess what I love about, for instance, the book of Revelation, for instance, and there's people that believe you won't go through it, people that believe that you will go through it, but whatever people believe, we need to learn from it regarding persecution because when you face the book of Revelation and you look at it, I love this, over and over again, you see the angels, you see them proclaiming that righteous and true are their judgments. You see uh, the saints, like the, they sing the song of the Moses and the Lamb in Revelation 15. This is after they've lost their heads and they've had victory over the beast, by the way. They lose their heads, but not taking the mark of the beast. And it says in chapter 15, they sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And, they, this is, and they've got victory over the beast. They lost their heads. How did they get victory over the beast? Because victory over the beast was not, uh, you know, killing him like in the omen or, you know, not you know, voting him out of office. That's not going to happen. Christ is going to be the one that ushers in the kingdom. He is the one that's going to get the glory. He's the judge and savior. And it's about him being the savior. Even so come Lord Jesus is our prayer. And so when I see people get uptight, my wife, and she's such an awesome woman, and I praise God that she loves righteousness and hates evil. But sometimes, you know, I'll tell her when she's watching the news or something, <laughs> catching up. And like all of us, right. we get fake news and you get frustrated and and you watch the more conservative news, and that, that and you got to be careful there because they're oftentimes they don't have Christ, so they don't have the answers. So you don't want to walk in that whining spirit, you know, constantly whining about what's going on. Get off my rear ends and preach the gospel. So sometimes she'll be discouraged, and I'll say, "Baby, uh, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done." Right. I go. We need to pray for the kingdom to come, and that prayer has been prayed hundreds of millions of times. We should be praying that earnestly ourselves, and I do. I love that prayer. There was somebody on trial. I don't know how long ago. I mean, this is like probably 1700s or something. I just remember a clip of that. And one of the things that he just stood there and kept saying was kind of in a, in a defense, but in a proclamation, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Amen. And, I thought, and that will get you through so much. Otherwise, you're going to get an ulcer. Otherwise, you're going to have anxiety. You have to be in the word of God. You have to be abiding in the word. You have to trust the Lord and recognize. And I love it. I did a study uh, uh, more than once now. I did a message called The Righteousness of Hell, based on the book of Revelation, because over and over again, and I love it, because the Revela book of Revelation is good in so many ways. Not only is it the book that brings the consummation of all things, and you have more allusions to the Old Testament in that book than any other book, and God making the new heaven and the new earth, but, and, and, but it sh it's a, a great book for the problem of evil. It shows you that God's given a people an opportunity. It shows you that his judgments are righteous and true. It shows you that people that struggle with, with God, whether they think he's too late or they think he's too harsh, that we see through a glass darkly, but then everybody comes to the same conclusion. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Christ is Lord. Everybody comes to the conclusion that his judgments are righteous and true. And we, we can pray when we think of his attributes of righteousness, when we see all the wickedness around the world and the persecution. He basically avails himself... And he 
he brings vengeance because of the blood of the saints that has been shed, not only during the tribulation period, because he ties that into the blood of the saints that's been shed through the ages past. And when he does that, you know, he's, you know, the saints are, how long, O God, in Revelation chapter 5, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? He gives him white robes, says, wait a little while until your brother have been slain in the same way you have. But you get the answer in Revelation 11, when Jesus comes back with the armies of heaven on his white horse, and in righteousness he wages war. It says in righteousness and in, in, in truth that God will judge the world. So his his attributes of righteousness, not and, and the fact that he's not asleep and his judgments don't ultimately slumber, are very, very important when we go through persecution that ultimately he is in control. But we have to be praying in that light so our minds, so we can have the mind of Christ and praying according to the scripture. Like the woman where Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, where he talks about uh, the widow who constantly badgered the judge to do something about the guy that was persecuting her. And finally he does. It says, though he didn't fear God or men, he avenged her. And Jesus says, how much more, you know, basically is what his point is there. And he says, well, not the Lord, of, you know, will he not avenge his elect? And then he, but he gives a really sad little commentary there. He goes, but will the Son of Man find faith in the earth when he returns? I believe he will because of you Revelation chapter Seven, you see a great multitude that no man can number that have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. But that, that passage starts out in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus gave them a parable, I believe it says that you must, you, you should always pray and not give up. Yes, pray and don't lose heart. It's, yeah. I think, Luke 18, 1. I love that. That's a great verse. Isn't it a great verse? Yeah. And so I love two things. Uh, just briefly, I wanted to say, yes, the, everybody has a relationship with Jesus Christ at this point right moment right now and it's whether or not you are on the broad road to destruction or the narrow way that leads That's to right. life everybody has a relationship with him what kind of relationship yeah. is it he's either your savior or your judge so i love that the attribute of righteousness was that's just terrific this has been so encouraging, Joe. So, uh, I'm encouraged to be here with you. It's, it's just been and wonderful and inspirational. You, I know you love the Lord. It's apparent in the scripture. Uh, I just want to say two things, just going back just a little bit. Right, our pastor would say, he leaned over the pulpit a couple weeks ago and said, I have news for you. We have to remember this. We don't win here, everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not our home. We don't win on earth. We don't win politically. Not here. Our victory is in Christ and in heaven. That's where we went. And I love um, Corey Ten Boom. Just briefly, I just want to go back to her because it just so it just so happened that I've run into two things that she said, and this is in times of persecution that I think I've locked in. Not only now with the train ticket, which was great, but she talked about when her sister, she and her sister, during the time they were in the concentration camp, the Nazis would uh, parade them out naked. This yeah. was something that they would do. And she said, I remember this one moment when my sister leaned over and whispered to me, Corey, Jesus was naked on the cross. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. really we believe that the loincloth that they put on him is just for, for the sake of you know propriety yeah. when we see him yeah. like that now. But the truth is they were crucified. People yeah. were crucified right. naked. And she said that helped her so much wow. to think that that's the awesome. Lord could sympathize yeah. that way because he too yeah, was beautiful. humiliated that way. And then the other story that she told was in those moments, you know, when they had to come out and they had to uh, be charged with all sorts of false things that of course they weren't doing and they were near death all the time. And then of course her sister eventually did die pretty quickly in the concentration camp. But she said, we were standing there 
hearing all these things that the Nazis were saying, and a skylark came mm. and sang above us. And it caused everybody that was standing there to look up. And she said that moment of looking up, looking past the Nazis and looking to the sky and looking to the skylark, God was reminding us that he in fact was there. And she said that skylark appeared three weeks straight at roll call every morning. The Lord brought the skylark. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that really is. Yeah. It's better than the cock crowing after three denials. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Real quick on that, real quick. Another note with Corey in in the hiding place. She talks about how... The, a lot of the suffering they went through, and they had some serious lives. Here's Sister Annie, but she said Annie was always able to find like the the the, the grace of God in her situation, and 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 she and the the uh, guards who would rape certain people, women, they knew she was filled with lice, and that and she was rejoicing that that kept them from raping her. Absolutely, and she was able to. So I think we always need to say, okay, what's the good that God's doing here? And then, and, and in a sense, we don't win here, but in a sense, we do win here. And when your pastor's saying we don't win here, he's talking about the, like the NAR movement, like the Dominion. Right. We don't take over. And I absolutely explanation point. But I'm sure he'd also agree that uh, those, as I said before, who don't take the mark of the beast, it says they got victory over him. Oh, absolutely. So the way we win, even the church of Smyrna, that Revelation chapter uh, 2, it says, you, you know, you're poor, but you are rich. So we're poor in the world's eyes. We're not winning, but and we're so rich in Christ because right. our names are written in the last book of life and, and we have this eternal city and this wonderful inheritance. We have him forever and ever. So if we could focus on what we have in Christ and not the lice or you know the, the situation and you, you, you can have diff- two different perspectives. You can have one where you, you say, man, and I use this example of, man, I can't believe there's a blister on my hand. Or you can say, praise God, I have a blister, a hand. That I can have a blister on, right? <laughs> you know, so and that's true. the perspectives, biblical perspectives. Hey, we have Christ, and what this this world has to offer is nothing compared to Him. So exactly, we're, we're rich in Him. Exactly. Well, I only have a few more questions, so I would love it if we could just keep talking for just sure. a couple more minutes. Oh, absolutely, as long as you want to go. Okay. Uh, well, and we kind of covered this again, but I just can't help but I love this uh, scripture so much and this question so much because we. I feel like we are navigating between the Chaldeans coming. And I say the Chaldeans are coming, and I don't know what form they're going to take. I don't know if it's going to be Muslim terrorism. I don't know if it's going to be America, our own people, coming against us. I don't know if it's going to be the Chinese government. The but, Cortezes? But the what? Cortezes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, capricious children will rule over you. That's yeah. what I think of when I think of her. Uh, that's Isaiah 3. Yeah. And yeah, that's... I think three or five, you probably know better than I well, do. It says, so. yeah, that women will rule over them in yep. Isaiah 3. Yeah, uh, that's the other whole political yeah, sphere, of, yeah. which we can't don't have time to talk about. But it's the, you know, the desire in me that wants to, wants to, and we talked about, I told you a little bit about this, that I want to yell scripture and I want to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine <laughs> who comes against the armies of the living God? There is that part of me that wants yeah, to be sure. bold and say no and stand up for truth and righteousness. Yes, that's First Samuel 17, 26. But then they're not my enemy. They're the mission field. So I have to keep that in mind yeah. as well. Uh, and so that's just seeing them as an opportunity for the gospel. And I know that we talked about that, but I'm just it's just a big topic that I'm trying to get clarification on, which you've given me a lot of great clarification. So I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that, but I do believe, uh, you know, that's where I think it really comes into recognizing that I love the scriptures where we mentioned earlier we wrestle against flesh and blood, 
that there's a spiritual war. And I think you pretty much already have the answer uh, because you mentioned they're not our enemies. I mean, of course they oppose themselves. They, they present themselves as our enemies. They're enemies of God. Yeah. And so we have to remember that too, I right. think is important, right? Right, right. exactly. Yeah. But Paul gives us a perspective and you pretty much spoke of the spirit of that perspective. Mm-hmm. In Romans 11, and keep in mind, he is being hunted by Jews at times. Right. His fellow countrymen. But he says they're enemy, they're our enemies because of the gospel's sake, but they're beloved because of God's promises to the patriarchs, mm-hmm. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? So uh, there's two perspectives. Yes, they are have set themselves up as their enemies. Many would hate, you know, uh, somebody tunes into this podcast of yours and they hear us talking, they would hate it, you know. Uh, do we hate them back? No. We, we love them. We recognize, as I mentioned earlier, Titus, that God wants right. to remember we once were there. We were children of wrath. He hates what we become, you know. And it's not the kind of hatred we would have. God God's, has a holy hatred because he's 100% righteous. Absolutely. I think it's important that we keep that perspective. And, I mean, look at this. I mean, Paul's talking about there are enemies because of gospel's sake. But, you know, in, in Romans 9, he said that God is my witness. He goes, I would become cursed for, for my countrymen's sake. If, I if, know. You know. And then in chapter... Yeah. Later in that chapter, he talks about God's hands are uh, stretched forward, forward to a gainsaying people uh, constantly all day long. He says he, he has his arms stretched out toward them. And then you go to the chapter 10, verse 1 in, in Romans 10. He's like, uh, you know, my, my heart's, my prayer and the desires for their salvation. These are people that have been trying to kill him. Right. And where, where does he get that kind of love? Well, Romans 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the, the love of the, the spirit is the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, joy, long suffering, and so forth. So as we build ourselves up in prayer in the Holy Spirit, in, in a Jude chapter, it's just one chapter, right? Uh, if you want to call it a chapter, verse twenty twenty one talks about building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, and as we pray in the Holy Spirit, we're praying Scripture, we're praying God's truth, we're praying to become more like our Savior, praying to be more loving. God, make my heart more loving in this world, because Jesus said, "The love of many would grow cold." The agapao there, and it's the love of the many. It's a pretty scary verse right there for the for, for folks. And then, Boy, do we see that happening? Yeah. And Paul, when he said terrible times will come, he said people without love. The Greek word storge, that's without family love. The family's being destroyed because of the the left and 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 what they're pushing. The agendas is very anti-family, very anti-gender. It's just an assault of Satan. There's the mouthpiece of Satan. So on one hand, and, and praise God, I love to see a holy hatred towards sin, but at the same time. Uh, and I see this in you as well, is God wants us to love the people still. Well, lastly, and again, we've kind of covered this, but just any last thoughts that you may have. So many prophetic dominoes are falling into place. And so (laughs) dealing with the fear of the future, especially for our children and our grandchildren, because when we think about what's going to be happening kind of down the road and because things are happening so very quickly. So it's very natural to get worried, to yeah. be anxious, even though worry is a sin, I know. But we have that anxiety that comes along and we think, what what's going to happen? And what's going to happen to my kids? And what's going to happen to my grandkids? And I know we have to trust the Lord, of course, with them. But just very practically speaking, kind of like you were encouraging Lisa in watching the news, how would you encourage the, the moms and the grandmothers? Yeah, well, since you mentioned moms, at the tail end of your question there, I think of the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, it's interesting when you think I, I love reading that passage because there's so many things that are striking there and even though I'm not a woman there's <laughs> biblical truth there that applies to all of us and it talks about how she looks to the future and she does not fear Amen. that's powerful 
But what's the key to that, though? Think about it. We think about it, right? Well, the Bible says earlier, just before that, about her, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So the Lord says, make me your dread. And he talks about, in Isaiah, he talks about those who are saying, conspiracy, conspiracy, you know. And, uh, you know, and, but he says, I'm to be your dread. So they're fearing what's going to happen. And some use that and say, oh, there's no conspiracies. We've got to be careful not to jump on all these conspiratorial bandwagons. But there are legitimate biblical exposés in the Bible about that there will be globalism. That will be Antichrist. And there's uh, conspiracies associated with that. The, the leaders of the nations, Psalm 2, will gather together say, let's break these chains and unite against his Holy One. Right. You know, and his son, you know, which is really prophetic of Jesus. Amazing. So uh, he says, let me be your dread. Mm-hmm. And it's not as though when they were saying conspiracy, conspiracy, guess what? There was, the Syrians were starting to surround them. There was conspiracy to destroy them. So he's not saying you deny reality, but he's saying, let me, I'm to be your fear. I'm to be your dread. And what happens is when we start looking at the prophetic things and the dominoes falling, as you say, we can watch these big dominoes and think they're going to crush us. But we need to look beyond, like you said, the skylark earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to look beyond and and beyond the, the, the dark, gloomy clouds. The sun is still shining. And as dark as it gets, the Lord Jesus Christ is still shining. And instead of having a perspective like, oh, these things are happening, I can't believe it, you know, uh, we need to have the perspective that Jesus said, when you th- see these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. Right. This is Luke 21 and all the discourse. I think this is really incredible because it's in contrast to what Jesus said in the same passage, in the same area, where he says, people's hearts will be failing them for fear of things coming on the earth. And by the right. way, heart failure, one of the main, main killers on the earth today, is because of stress often. And it's going to get really bad. People are going to be dropping like flies because of stress. Think of what's happened with COVID. You know, all these people have been, a lot, there's been untold harm uh, because of, you know, uh, yeah, COVID kills, but also a lot of policies can kill too. And a lot of the fear mongering can kill and not looking at Christ can kill. So the hearts of many will fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. This is nothing compared to what's coming, right? Right. I mean, they're showing now, I mean, was it Ratcliffe, the intelligence, leader of intelligence, just until the Biden administration, uh, he's talked about how they're going to be unveiling things that we can't explain that we are definitely seeing above our air, above our Navy air. Uh, Navy. Yes, I saw so, that. Yeah, and they're showing like and there, there's more coming, and because we are being there's intelligence that we can't explain, and they're they're doing things that we don't understand. People are, and Jesus said there'll be signs in the sun, and the moon, the stars, and people are going to be freaking out. Well, we need to realize when we see these different things taking place, uh, that we're not to be fearful of these things. We're to look. Beyond them to Jesus and his word and his promises, faithfulness, his righteousness, his love, and ultimately the gospel. And and instead of our hearts failing us, we lift up our heads for our redemption draws nigh. Because we're looking forward beyond the horizon to the coming of Christ. Uh, and that ke- helps us keep our heads. You know, then right, you that's so that, true. That's the solid rock on which that, we stand. Again, and I love that. Ke- again, thy kingdom come. You know, right. again, Even so come Lord Jesus. We have to have that perspective. That's what how the church was able to transform so many lives through the gospel and in endure, the first, second century. Right, when they were persecuted amen. in that's the early they, church. Amen. And the hope of the resurrection. We have to be singularly focused. And when Jesus talked about the, the eye being single, it's kind of neat. And it, then he talks about that's where we get our peace. You know, and, and the double-minded man, Jesus said you can't serve God and man. And so we have to make sure we're serving Jesus He's first on a practical level, day by day, and and one day at a time in Christ. I mean, for for people in your audience, I would encourage you uh, to pray, "Our Father who art in heaven." That's not a Catholic prayer. That's a prayer from Jesus right. that he commanded his disciples not once but twice to pray. Right. In fact, when Peter's not praying to God of Gethsemane, 
and he's going to fall. And that's why Jesus prophesied. Jesus knew he was going to fall because he knew he wouldn't pray. And he also was going to work his humanity into the denial and his crucifixion because he's basically in charge of everything. And that's the wisdom of God. That's the other attribute that just blows me away. So then he says to Peter, you know, back to, I guess we'll be closure with this coming back full circle. You know, couldn't you pray one hour with me? But then he says, pray that the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So pray that you do not enter into temptation. Well, guess what that's from? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. That's right. And he had already taught them to pray that two different times. And that prayer covers so much. Our Father who art in heaven, meaning you're in control. Hallowed be right. your name. Holy, right. holy, holy. May my life glorify you. That's what that prayer is. That, not that You're not just affirming his holiness. You're saying, Lord, may I glorify your name. Sure. May you, your purpose be found in me. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're submitting his will. Uh, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And that word daily is very fascinating. That, that Greek word may have been coined uh, by the writers of the gospel because it's only used in Luke and Matthew in that prayer. You don't see it in Greek out, in the Bible or outside the Bible. And it means beyond that which is natural. That's one way it's translated, you know. And, uh, and I, I personally believe it could be totally in relation to more of him, the bread of life, you know. Because when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... Then he at, and he's the bread of life. He at, meets our needs, but I also look at practically too. So when I pray that prayer, I'm like, Lord, meet my needs physically. Meet. And I don't just pray that. I pray that prayer. I have a really hard time just praying that prayer straight through and not stopping. I I, I gauge how long I pray that particular prayer and what I say in that prayer, often by how much I got to get done and when I want to get to the next thing. But oftentimes in my night, two, three in the morning, that's just my prayer, and I just use that as a model. And then you know, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we're not only praying for mercy and forgiveness, but we're also praying to be forgiving, loving, caring, kind people to others because he's forgiven us, which is back to how we treat others, you know? Right. And then, right. you know, leads us out of temptation, deliver us from evil. And there's a lot of evil coming, and that prayer is more appropriate than ever. So I love what Paul says is to, you know, be anxious to nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, having hearts of thanksgiving. Look what he's done for us. Right. Look what he went through for us. He didn't have to do that. Uh, Make your, your requests, prayers, requests, known to God, right? And he'll keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He'll give you peace, he says, that surpasses human understanding. How do we get through it? We pray, we pray, we pray. We look to Jesus, author and finish of our faith. We don't get distracted with the four different things on the, or, you know, the, 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 the uh, stool. But we just keep our eyes on Jesus and we just continue to praise him and know that this life's a vapor and one day we're going to be with him forever. Amen. Well, this has been an amazing time. So encouraging. I know whoever hears this is going to be encouraged to the moon and back. And so, Joe, I would just love you to tell my listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. So just your podcast and your website and teaching, just where would they find you if they wanted to hear more about what you have to say on well, these topics? First, thank you for a great interview and thank you for the great insights that you've encouraged me in as well. I was really blessed. Uh, they can go to goodfight.org and we also have, you know, blessedhopechapel.org, uh, but goodfight.org is a lot of our resources and you can find our podcast on there if people want to check that out. We do, like, besides preaching a message Sunday and Wednesday nights, I do uh, four different podcasts a week, and they're all, like, scripture-laden. Uh, we also have uh, Brother Chad does that with me, my son-in-law, who, by the way, and I just say this because it might encourage people to check out some of our videos, he watched They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. He was an atheist. Somebody gave it to him. Adam, who was my other son-in-law before either of them were my son-in-laws. <laughs> Adam was blown away by it. He gave it to Chad. Chad watched it, and he was a brawler, a drunk, an atheist. Uh, he fell on his knees 
and came to Christ at the end of that video, and his life was transformed. And and uh, he ends up marrying my daughter. One time he comes up after church, and it's the first time I met him, and I invited him witnessing. And then he saw Holly witnessing, fell in love with my daughter Holly. And Adam, she's very lovable. Heather. Yeah, she is. And so is Heather. And, <laughs> yep, and so he ends up coming to Christ, and uh, and he does an incredible job. I mean, he's like just amazing. Uh, so we work together doing the podcast. And he also has 511 News, which is really awesome that he does. does a great job where once a week he's covering the news stories from a biblical perspective. Which and, is excellent. Yeah, uh, and you, oh, and your podcast is excellent too. So I'm just encouraging anyone who's listening to definitely yeah. go on and check oh, you guys out. And I appreciate that. We have so many exposés, whether on different issues. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. And thank you so much once again, Joe. It thank has you, been sisters. delightful. It's been great. great questions. <laughs> God bless. God bless you too.